Hubhopper Originals. We are all born free and equal, free to walk and free to talk. Don't discriminate, learn to appreciate, so you don't have to imitate. Don't be the one to hate. It's never too late. You got the right to life. Innocent to prove and guilty, you can say what you like. Gotta get the education. Don't throw it away. Know your human rights, 'cause it can help you someday. To the Born Free and Equal podcast with United for Human Rights and Hubhopper. I'm your host Fraser Scott, International Ambassador of United for Human Rights. Swimming in a sea of uncertainty, unsure if I'll ever touch my toes on the secure sand of dry land again. When I'm suddenly tossed a life jacket and pulled to the safety of the never-changing, always there ship of human rights, with its unbreakably secure anchor of responsibility, and today that ship takes us to the paradise island of today's guest, Filmfare Award-winning writer and director of such films as India's biggest animation, starring Salman Khan, and also not to forget the most amazing Hazaro Kwaishe Essi, the very very critically acclaimed, as well as Kal, Yesterday and Tomorrow. Not to forget this year's smash Netflix hit, Guilty. Welcome, Ruchi Narayan. Welcome, Ruchi. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Sheena. Fraser, you have remarkable pronunciation, I must say. <laughs> uh, remarkably brilliant pronunciation. Yes, yes. <laughs> give me a give me a dictionary of Indian words, and uh, we'll meet you in the back of an auto rickshaw one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you all for having me. I'm very honored to be on this podcast from. United for Human Rights, and thank you, Fraser and Sheena. Thank you, thank, thank you. you, thank you for being with us. I'd also like to welcome South Asia Ambassador for United for Human Rights, an actress who played the lead in seven films, three with national award-winning directors, and the recipient of the Hero Award presented to her at the United Nations in New York last year, Sheena Chauhan. Thank you, Fraser, and thank you, Ruchi, not only for being here with us, but also taking the responsibility of choosing the right to responsibility. Now, I've had the honor of being South Asia Ambassador of United for Human Rights for ten years now, and it's been my privilege to work with Dr. Mary Shuttleworth, our President, a woman, Ruchi, who was actually awarded the Social Activist of the Year Award last year by the World Conference of Nobel Peace Prize winners. And you know, she always pointed out that this, the right that you have chosen, is the most important of all the rights, and one that. Depends on honestly looking at one's own actions. So thank you so much for taking it up. Thank you. Actually, I'm very keen to talk about this right to responsibility, 
especially in light of what the world has been going through for the last few months with this pandemic, I feel as a human being and an artist and more than ever a mother, it's something I really do want to talk about. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, yes. Responsibility is so tied up with parenthood. If the audience at home is willing to join us at taking a brave, self-aware look in the mirror at who we really are, let's start. So Article 19 of the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights states, one, everyone has duties to the community, which is the only way to fully develop his own personality. Number two, in the use of his rights and freedoms, everyone shall only be limited by laws for the purpose of recognizing and respecting the rights and freedoms of others and the morality and the public order and the general well-being of a democratic society. And number three, these rights and freedoms may in no case be used against the purposes and principles of the United Nations. The bottom line is that we are all responsible to know our own rights and to ensure that those around us know and have their rights protected as well. Don't you think so? Absolutely. I mean, of course, human rights have been delineated for everyone to be aware of and they're taught in schools and colleges. One would think that a lot of them just seem basic common sense that if you respect one another, you should know that. When it comes to responsibility, I do feel the word has a, a heaviness to it, which often makes people run away because it gets associated with a sense of duty or activism. But what I really want to talk about is how we can be responsible and act responsibly on a day-to-day -day basis so that it affects everything we do in our lives. And it doesn't have to be a boring thing. It's, hmm. it's something which you can just, in fact, it's, it's taking onus, which I think is more exciting, frankly, than anything else to hmm. be responsible for your life and also the world, you know, around you that you you accept that you are an active participant in creating the world around you and of course the future so mm -hmm. there's nothing more empowering than that i love what you said and actually it also then puts the onus on us and we have nobody to blame for our own choices like if we make a decision we may make mistakes like i've made so many mistakes i've failed but then i'm the one responsible for that i don't blame anybody else it's my path and i'm taking those choices and i'm responsible for those choices so like you rightly said then life becomes more exciting because you're the one driving it rather than blaming other people around you for what's not going right or what's going wrong in your life precisely and also then it becomes a pleasure because if you're looking at it like you've just said, then you become active, you start doing things. And when you do that, you feel better as an active participant. Absolutely. So, Ruchi, why did you choose this right? So my immediate response to that would be that I have recently become a mother. And of course, as any parent knows, that every single thing you do or say 
suddenly you become very acutely aware that it has a big impact on your child. So, I mean, it's it's not that you have to be careful or self-censor, but I do think that you become very aware that you are a living example of what you may want your child to grow up, to be, to think, to feel, because you are very aware all the time that whatever you tell them, children are very intelligent, so they don't always believe your words, but they watch you and they become the embodiment of your actions. So if you behave well with others, if you are respectful, if you are considerate, if you are kind and empathetic, they will automatically become like that. It's not going to work if you are shouting at people or not offering them a glass of water just because, I don't know, they're from a local village or whatever. And then you tell them you must share, but you don't share the chocolate that's in your fridge with your staff. So Mm -hmm. children pick up on those things. And then we wonder as a society, why society is like this. It's because we are like this. So Mm -hmm. unless we Mm -hmm. actively think about how we behave and again, take responsibility for the fact that society is the way it is because we are part of society. So unless we start changing our behaviors and talking to our friends or addressing other people that, you know, you do this, but I maybe that's a better way to do it because this breeds this kind of feeling amongst people. I mean, I just, as you were saying, I, I just made a film called Guilty, which is on Netflix. And for me, the whole film, of course, it's, it's set in a college and it has this whodunit kind of feel, which is like a thriller feel. But for me, it is a film about the misogyny, institutionalized misogyny of society. And for that, all of us are responsible. You know, even if, you know, I've got a lot of lovely things people have said about the film. But for example, I've spoken about all these issues now in my film, but I may have kept quiet. Maybe I wanted to, you know, just do my work, get on with my work, not take up daily battles and fighting for my rights as a woman uh, or just not to be discriminated against. But the fact that I didn't take up those issues and talk about them all the time also perpetuated the silence around them. So I myself take responsibility for that state of affairs, as must we all, all the men who benefit and all the Mm. men do benefit from patriarchy must also realize this and take that onus to change things and change their entitlement and you realize when things are happening for a certain reason, even if they're small things of inclusiveness, of representation, of finding it easier to talk to a guy instead of talking to a a woman. So we all have to address little, little things. And uh, the main 
the main thing in my film that I wanted people to understand, to take away, is I wanted them to examine how they are part of this institutionalized misogyny because they themselves, or rather we ourselves, have these reactions when we see women in a certain way or we hear women saying certain things or behaving in a certain way, we all put them into boxes. So for me, the biggest success of the film was that every single person who's seen it and who's spoken to me has said to me that, you know, at this particular point, I thought to myself, oh my God, I do this all the time and I really shouldn't. It's very unfair. And to me, that was the biggest um, success of the film. Of course, as an artist, you know, we as artists and filmmakers, storytellers, we all do need to be uh, responsible in what we're saying. But it sounds like a lofty word. What I'm trying to convey is it's not really. It's, It's the most empowering thing you can do for yourself is to be an active participant. Yes, that's totally true, because the opposite is to be the effect of what's around you. And then you don't have any say in the world and the world doesn't belong to you. And also it doesn't belong to your children, because what you said is that suddenly your sensitivity to the world has just kind of like you as if you've got a sensitivity knob on your life and having your child has just turned it up. Because what you're saying about being aware of affecting your child, well, the fact is that we actually are like that all the time. Yes, it's more so with a child, but what we do affects the people around us all the time. And I loved what you were saying yesterday, Ruchi, when we were having a conversation when you said that when you were making the film Guilty, you said to your team that even if we can achieve this one purpose of people looking at their own actions and realizing what they are doing right and wrong, looking at what the effects of your actions or the consequences of that can be. And, you know, rather than blaming in a blame game, you said that that could be achieved and you felt that, you know, your, your film was a success. I found that really beautiful because you had that vision and I'm sure that it's created an impact at different levels. But that vision that you had is amazing. One story I want to share with you, Dr. Mary Shuttleworth, the president of our organization, she's tells me, which I've always remembered, is that she compares human rights to a bicycle wheel with 29 spokes. On the outside of the spokes is a wheel which rolls down and makes the bicycle work. And each of the 29 spokes is a human right attached to the outside wheel. And if the hub is broken, the bicycle doesn't work. But if the hub is strong, then the wheel works Perfectly. So what is the hub here? She always explained it to me as it's the right to responsibility, which holds the other rights together. And the reason I'm saying this is because you said that you realize that your actions affect, for example, your child, or you realize that what you do has an effect around you to people. So similarly, like this one right to responsibility, if we take this right into consideration and apply it, it affects all the other 29 rights. Absolutely. Because, uh, Ultimately, you have to take risk. I mean, if you do take responsibility for the world that is around you, which means your immediate family, your the well-being of, of your family, the people around you in your community, 
it permeates into society. It becomes about your country. But especially in this day and age, we know that humanity is wider than just your country. It's, you know, what's happened with uh, the pandemic and COVID-19. It's been a very stark reminder that whatever borders or other divisive lines try to do, whether it's about uh, caste or class or race or gender or any kind of discrimination, it really doesn't matter. Uh, This, for example, this pandemic is just, it's reaching all human beings and forcing us to realize and accept that that's what we are. We're all human beings. Mm. Well, it's, it's the first time that we've had a common experience as the yes. world mm. yeah. was, stra- exactly. was strange. Mm. Yeah, like yes. no matter who you talk to anywhere, they all felt this this thing. And you're relating that to responsibility because what we say or what we do now can spread around the world. But with the internet, your film, actually, I first watched your film with English dubbing on Netflix. And you said to us that for the first time, you made a film that all of your friends around the world suddenly started to call you up and say, I watched this, I watched this. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, we've been talking about the world getting smaller, smaller, but now we know it is you know, we are one. So we might as well accept that and, uh, you know, take it on with responsibility. And that's what I'm saying, that this pandemic has made all the other, I feel, has made all the other rights become much smaller, like you were mentioning about the bicycle wheel. Because if you just behave responsibly, for example, now, In this situation, we've had lockdown. There are all these rules for COVID. Uh, A lot of it depends on the responsibility each individual has to themselves and to society. Uh, For example, if you've been exposed or if you've done, I mean, of course, you have to take care of yourself and wash your hands and do all that stuff. But supposing you are working maybe with villagers or patients or going here for whatever reason, do you have a responsibility to other people to tell them? Do you have a responsibility to help the other people who are not in in a situation of privilege? Of course you do. I mean, uh, one thing I must tell you that uh, for me, what this situation has shown is that people are much kinder than uh, we give credit for. And I feel the pandemic has also shown a lot of this recently with, you know, all the, the problems that we've had in terms of migrants or people who are suffering. There are a lot of stories about less privileged people who are being turned away from hospitals. I had a a personal experience where one of the people working for my parents who lives with them, her brother suddenly got ill and he didn't take it seriously because he didn't have the COVID symptoms that everyone knows about, like a cough and a cold. And he just had a stomachache and a fever. So, I mean, they did alert us quite late in the day. But as soon as they did, 
whatever phone calls I made, everyone was so uh, forthcoming and going the extra mile. I mean, even people, acquaintances who I barely knew, but I knew maybe they have access to some hospital beds and I, I call them. And they have gone out of their way to call other people they know and, you know, said things like, it's a family friend. So it was very heartening to see that, you know, because also there's a lot of um, talk in these times that, oh, you know, uh, it could come and get us and then we have to save our favors. But I didn't see that with anybody. They really went out of their way to help, you know, this man. And that I felt was a very encouraging uh, story of the, mm-hmm. um, the way people are coming together to raise money, uh, to send migrants home, hiring buses, uh, buying them food so that when they take their trains, they, they have food and water. I, I think it's, it's very encouraging. And uh, mm-hmm. I also think it comes on the back of, you know, the the climate change movement where again you see a lot of people getting involved and saying we need to stop this and it's not only about blaming big business or government we need to change the way we live we need to stop you know taking showers every day and maybe take a bucket bath because we save water that way we need to stop wearing using so much plastic we need to stop wearing glitter and sequins because that's also plastic you know i've seen so many little little things people making small changes in their own way because suddenly everybody is feeling a sense of belonging uh, mm-hmm. and not ownership but belonging to this world so i feel overall uh, we were starting to go in this direction anyways and i do feel The pandemic has, you know, just increased the speed of that very quickly uh, for us all to realize that if you look around the world, there were suddenly so many protests about various things. For what? Because suddenly people are starting to take their lives and their worlds into their own hands and not just Mm. sit and watch things happen and criticize other people but they want to be part of the change. And I really think that is what responsibility is about. Yes, it's totally true. And it's actually because people want to help. And so responsibility, although, as you said, it's got this heavy ring to it and it's almost like a dirty word, people don't want to mention it. The fact is that people are helpful and Taking responsibility is actually a a pleasurable thing when you realize that it's something that you are deciding to do yourself. And people love it. People love when they see that they've done something and it's caused a positive effect. And that's all that responsibility really is. It's it's about having an increasing positive effect and having a positive effect, particularly on the things specifically under your care. And then also for increasing those things, for saying the environment, that's partly under my care. I have a duty for that too. Right. And it's easy to blame others for the lack of rights in society. And as Ruchi rightly said, but it's hard to ask ourselves what we can do to ensure others have these rights 
it's easy to point out what others or the government are doing wrong, but hard to take actions to put things right. With that in mind, let's quickly take a look at the Indian constitution, which states that it shall be the responsibility of every citizen of India, number one, to stick to the constitution and respect what it stands for and the organization that supports it, as well as the national flag and the national anthem. Number two, to admire and follow the excellent principles which inspired our national struggle for freedom. Number three, to support and protect the independence, unity and integrity of India. And number four, to defend the country and give national service when called upon to do so. Number five, to promote harmony and the spirit of brotherhood among all the people of India, regardless of religion, language, region or other division, and to stand against any activity that degrade women. Here, here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I am... Uh... I'm a fan of the constitution of this country. It was really written by such intelligent minds. And I, of course, have the utmost respect for it and our democracy. I'm also a history student. So all I can say is oh. I hope its sanctity remains. <laughs> yes, yes, which is our responsibility to ensure that. Mm. Yes, so, Ruchi, what are the major issues facing the country today regarding the right to responsibility? At this moment, with the pandemic, in specifically during the pandemic, I really do think that we just have to be a little more empathetic and kind to everybody around us and recognize that not everybody has the same problems and concerns that we do. So we have to be a little more forgiving also. You know, it, you know, we might say, I might want to be extra careful about exposure or cleanliness or whatever, but there may be people who don't have the luxury of doing that. For example, daily wage earners. What about them? They've suddenly overnight lost their livelihood. How are they supposed to survive? So unless we pitch in and help them out, which is helping strangers, it's not going to happen. So I do feel everybody should really think uh, about how they are personally helping someone they don't know. Also, the people you do know, for example, if you happen to be in a position where you're employing people. Now, it's again, it's easy to say and to do it for one month or maybe two months. But if it becomes a, a long thing, then everybody is going to start to wonder, can I continue to pay uh, staff who's not coming to work? But you, you do have to put yourself in their position and try and figure solutions out for them. You know, anybody who's trying some enterprises, which whether it's getting a group of people together to help, you, you really have to participate. And you do have to think about the elderly people who are kind of, much more at risk. So even when the lockdown eases, as it has from today, they may not be going out because they are more vulnerable than others. 
so we we do have to think that sometimes it's not a ju- just about health or food or basic necessities but it's also about emotional connections so you know mm. pick up the phone call somebody have a chat with them <laughs> you know people also need to feel good it's more important ultimately than anything else because that is the best immunity booster <laughs> when you feel good You're very wise, Richie. I know when I was listening to you, like I could just, I could just sit here and just go on and on and listening. Like when you were a child and your mother would tell you these stories about the fairy godmother and about Ali Baba and you know, but your stories are inspiring and so soothing. Like I saw like a little, you know, like a saint, like you know, yes. calmness and. Well, I do want to, you know, expand on that. After I wrote Hazaro Khwaisheh, which was a, it's a political saga, which spreads over, you know, year, the years of the emergency in India. So it's quite hardcore in that sense. There were a couple of people who called me producers and they were like, you know, we loved it so much. And what do you want to make next whatever you want to make we'll back you and i said i want to make a children's film and they almost fell off their chairs because they were like what <laughs> i mean we thought you'd say this and i'd also made a thriller i said no i really want to make a children's film because i feel in in our country we don't have any good entertainment which is fun for children to watch which promotes their curiosity and imparts some kind of knowledge in a in a nice fun way and i really think we need that so they were just like okay <laughs> but i was serious and ultimately i did do that which finally we ended up producing it ourselves me and my company but that was really the thought behind it because i just thought the kids have nothing to watch and that was before i became a mother uh, so at least now i know i can make my daughter watch something <laughs> otherwise wow. they all end up watching uh you know very blockbuster masala movies which often have very inappropriate things for children and don't at all think about what values they're imparting so yeah so i i feel i i did have that sense of responsibility that you know what is there for the children because ultimately it is our future we have whatever the world is today we have to accept that we've been part of making it good or bad but we also have to set things up for the next generation and see whether they say you guys were just rubbish and we have to overturn everything you've done because you just made such a hash of it or we lay some basic foundations which just help them to make the world a better place and and mm-hmm. i'm really hoping and i do think that our generation is uh, taking those baby steps to to do that uh, but it has to be a sustained effort 
Yes, and also there needs to be a balance because everybody has their rights, and but if they also don't take responsibility to ensure that others have rights too, then things become unbalanced. Like yeah. you said, you wanted to make a children's film because that's yeah. that's the future of you know of tomorrow, and like we are seeing also in situations around the world today, and the example of the pandemic because we have a duty to ensure that others get their rights as well, just simply because that's the right thing to do, and we can see that. If we don't stand up for the rights of others, our own rights become less as well. But that's not the point. It's really a case of standing up for the rights of others just because that's also our duty. I know it's a big word, duty, but it is our duty. So I just want to bring a little bit of attention back to the Indian constitution which states that to value and preserve the history and culture of all India. Number two, to protect and improve the national environment including forests, lakes, rivers, wildlife, and to have compassion for living creatures. Number three, to develop scientific thinking, value for humanity, and be interested in life and seek to make it better. Number four, to ensure the care of public property and to stand against violence. Number five, to aim for excellence as an individual and as a group member so that the nation constantly rises to higher levels in its aims and achievements and to educate your child or any child you have in your care. Thank you, Sheena. Great to know the Constitution has such good rules to live by. Ruchi, why is it important people are aware of and accept this right or responsibility? I mean, the right responsibility for everyone to understand and accept is the most important right because that's the only way things can get better. First, Mm. you have to... Accept your part in the present situation. And the minute you do that and accept that you're not an onlooker, you're not sitting, you're not someone who's sitting on the sidelines. There's no such thing as a silent majority. Because if you're silent, that means you're accepting whatever it is. So you have to accept that whatever you do is going to be part of the building blocks. So now how do you want to build is the question. Mm, beautiful. Very powerful what you said. Yes, yes. What you know, you make your own world and you you know, we're all building the world together. We are. And I, I especially want to reiterate that nobody who does nothing, they are also building those blocks. So there's no such thing as not accepting responsibility. Mm. If you do nothing, you've you've done that. <laughs> yes, exactly. And right. it, it actually yeah. it actually can even contribute negatively because people yeah. are like uh, it's an apathy and there's a lot of apathy. You know, people may claim to be apathetic, but the fact that they don't do anything to change the situation means that they agree with the situation. So that means they're propagating mm. it. Yes, so, that's a great point. Yeah, that's mm, I love that point. It's not, there is no such thing as, uh, according to me, as apathy or a silent majority, because everybody is building the world together. So if you're not, if you see an injustice and you do nothing, you have condoned that injustice. 
Yes, that's. I love that. I love the, that point. When by not doing something, you're agreeing with it, and by agreeing with it, you're actually creating it. Yeah, because you're staying silent. Now there's an accident in front of you. Somebody comes and hits somebody, or somebody's beating a dog on the road, and you're just standing there looking at that mm. dog. You are a part of whatever's yes. going on because you're not yeah. saying speaking up. You do have a right to speak up or stop that action from happening. Otherwise, you are a part of it. So I love this point you brought up, actually. And, you know, that's yeah. right. And I, I do want to say that there are lots of ways you can do things. You know, people may mock, say, the social media activism, where people feel that, you know, by, just by tweeting something, you've done your bit. But my point is, none of us should should judge how others feel they're contributing to being responsible. Everybody does what they can and nobody knows anybody's situation really. So as long as they're, because even if you do something on social media, it still creates awareness. It still feels like there's a wave in a certain section. It still uh, brings up those topics for discussion. So it's not to say that, and, and there are other people who are very active, who actually go out and do things which make a change. Not everybody has what it takes to be able to do that, but the, they exist. The people you know, who say things on social media exist. If you sign a petition, that also, you know, people are very um, cynical about these things, but just do it. I mean, it's not going to harm eventually. People say, oh, but that's not going to change the world. Firstly, nobody knows what's going to change the world. The only thing that's not going to change the world is doing nothing. Exactly. <laughs> so go exactly. ahead, sign the petition. Who knows what effect it'll have? You know, teach your children something. Talk about it with your friends. That might inspire somebody to do something. At least it becomes a conversation. I feel whatever it is, just do it. The worst mm -hmm. enemy of uh, humanity and empathy is cynicism. That is mm -hmm. the only thing that's not going to get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. if you're, as many artists have this uh, problem of, you know, having a masterpiece complex that they won't write or create or make a film unless they think it can be a masterpiece. Mm. You don't know what's going to become a masterpiece. You know, things like, for example, Hazaro Khwaisheh or Guilty have been really acclaimed. But when it's happening, it's always a struggle. And most things, I guess, if they're going to have an impact, are more of a struggle um, mm. because it's not the norm. But everything doesn't have to be the thing that changes the world or the masterpiece if you're an artist it's mostly the small steps which change things so just go yeah. ahead and take the small steps right it's about communication and it's about action and you know whatever the size of your sphere of influence yeah. um you it's about doing and and if you you change one person that person might end up becoming the prime minister and then you've changed the world or even if not at least you yeah, change exactly. that person's world and also ruchi like that's exactly the reason why we started this initiative with this pandemic 
our lives have been changed forever. The, our culture is changing. And what we decided to do was positively to help get human rights awareness through artists and their passionate stories and their voices and, and becoming much bigger. And, and of course, being able to reach to millions and even, like you said, the right to freedom of expression, using that and communicating your views and ideas and just kind of focusing that. And then I realized that at least let's release something else positive to our listeners because there's a lot going on but i'm sure there's also a channel for hope so just like our channel i just want to bring one point here kofi annan our, the former un uh, secretary general said he said young friends all over the world you are the ones who must make these rights come true now and for all time their fate and future is in your hands unquote and ruchi an interesting fact i discovered while researching this article the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights was adopted on December 10th, 1948, and the Indian Constitution was adopted on November 26th, 1949. Interesting that in one year space of time, both the documents could be created that have the responsibility to bring peace and cultural evolution around the world. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah, well, you see, again, because I'm a student of history and this is why I say any small step that you can take, take it. Because it creates a it creates some movement in the world. That's why you see all whether it was our constitution or uh, the United Nations, there's a host of other countries which also had their constitutions written in those five years. They all echo the same kind of rights and responsibilities because that was the fallout of you know the world going to war for so many years and the injustices and inhumanity that was seen at that time had this effect on everybody in the world right. so even though we weren't connected by the internet at that time these are the values which traveled and these are the values which have permeated and found their place in most constitutions in countries around the world. And the United Nations, which is supposed to be, I mean, which is not country specific, it's a League of Nations. So wow, yeah. that's why I, I say that every little thing you do does count. So do be aware of what you're doing. Yes, exactly. And we're going to ask you a question here, which you've already talked about a little bit. But the question is, what can be done to realistically make this right a fact? Is there anything you've done or seen done which was effective to help make a change? I've, I've already spoken about the things which I've seen that have been happening during COVID, which I felt people were taking responsibility. The other thing I I felt is, uh, you know, there was a, a Me Too movement that happened around the world a couple of years ago. And I feel suddenly women everywhere, because one woman spoke up, suddenly it unleashed floodgates. And so mm. many people came out and then came out about different things. And what I particularly am grateful to the movement for is that it unleashed conversations of women which we never had, not with each other and often not with ourselves. 
but we always knew about those things. And most of the time we didn't address it because we just wanted to get on with life and get on with our work because women like men are human beings and we have ambitions and there are things that we want to do rather than just keep complaining about how hard it is for us. But what the Me Too movement did do is it made women start talking about these things. Firstly, acknowledging it themselves, then talking to each other about it and finding how most women have the same stories and similar stories with different names attached. And then, of course, they started talking more publicly and talking to men. And there's so many men who are sympathizers and recognize the difficulties that women face, you know, whether it's at home or in the workplace, just to be able to do things that men take for granted. So I do feel that is something that women suddenly woke up and have now women are taking that responsibility because the conversations are out there and I can feel it that women don't want to uh, lose that momentum. So now women are talking about these things. You see it a lot as me as a filmmaker. I'm, of course, uh, discussing it in my film, like Guilty, which frankly, I wrote seven years ago, but it, it's seen the light of day now. But even even a show which I did on uh, Call 100, which is a light, kind of irreverent, funny t- take but even in that there are those issues that have been brought up in a very different way but now I feel we're feeling the responsibility of saying these things because what it does also for the younger lot is it makes them aware that these things happen and they're not the only ones so it empowers them also to stop things and By that, I don't mean guilty was about a rape. That is a very, very serious thing. I'm talking about casual misogyny, sexist jokes, you know, objectifying women, just uh, making women feel that they are responsible for what happens to them. No, we are not the ones who go out at night and wreck havoc so we are not the ones who need to be kept indoors at night (laughs) we are not doing anything Mm -hmm. wrong Um, so you know i feel that was a movement which really did change things and then there was a climate change movement which is so recent but everything that people were talking about you can see it happening so these are all movements where people, large numbers of people have taken responsibility and it is shifting the world. So the world will be a different place um, tomorrow. And I really do think it will be a better place. Yes, as, as long as we keep going. Yeah. You, you said quite a few very interesting things. Mm. One was that this movement started with one, one person. One woman. Uh, yeah. One woman. And that is one woman. And that is always like, it's that person. It's that person who's 
often in so many areas of life, it's that it's that hardest thing to be the one who starts it, to stick your neck out. But then that one person started a whole movement. And then what you said is, well, it's about keeping a momentum because it's like an engine or something, isn't it? You you kickstart it and that's the hardest thing. And then you have to keep fanning it, keep fanning it. And you talked about awareness. And the thing is that by talking, what you're doing is you're creating awareness. And then awareness is actually the thing that creates the world because people can only do things if there's permission. People can only do things in a climate where it's acceptable. So we surveyed our listeners and we found that the number one thing, the thing that's most important in human rights is the spreading of awareness. Mm. Yeah, and it's our responsibility, I feel, Ruchi, to really teach and create this awareness amongst the youth about their rights. Because if you don't know your rights, how do you stop it from being violated and the responsibilities so that they know that they have 30 rights and have a responsibility, not just for themselves, but like you rightly said, also for their family, their community and country so that they can agree on their human rights and know them. I mean, if you if you have a basis, if you have an agreement, it's like a game you're playing. Every game has rules. If you're playing without rules, then you don't know what direction you're going towards. So I'm going to bring a quick quote of uh, Mahatma Gandhi here. The true source of right is duty. If we all carry out our duties, rights will not be far to seek. If leaving duties unperformed, we run after rights, they will escape us like a ghostly light. The more we pursue them, the further they will fly, unquote. I think Gandhiji spent his life carrying out his duties and in the end, he won the rights for the whole country. I mean, he's, you know, it's like he lived this quote. Don't you think so? I, I do think Mahatma Gandhi was the greatest person uh, who's lived in this century and he lived by example he understood that the most important thing which is what I was saying about when you're a parent uh, you realize that whatever you say it is how you live that is seen and he really lived by example and these days of course it's become very fashionable to try and criticize uh, him or some little thing. He wasn't a good father. I mean, whatever. He has changed this, the world that we live in today because he took the bull by its horns and he really called out what is. He called out all the injustices that he saw before his eyes and he made no bones of them. He was not partisan. It wasn't about politics. He was literally chasing and spreading and seeking the truth. Mm. And that is why he's a Mahatma. So I don't expect regular people like us to be able to get to that level. But we should, I, I do feel it would be great if once in their lives, everybody did read what Gandhiji said, because it makes so much sense. And also, he lived it. So he showed us that things, if taken to their truest extreme, do have an effect. Which I do feel he, he did a lot of things which just seemed impossible. But that's also why everybody, the whole nation, everybody loved him so much. 
and you know he could insist upon things by not by using force or policing what did he do to drive home a point he would fast unto death his own death like he wasn't sending the police or the army out to do anything he was just saying that you know i am trying to give this message of peace and brotherhood and if you all who say you're listening to me are behaving in this way then there's no point of me being alive because i'm not doing what i i should be doing and i'm going to stop eating and people would stop so that is the ultimate responsibility he yeah. i mean i do think he's the greatest person to have lived in a very very long time i couldn't agree more ruchi i couldn't agree more he lived the most famous quote like he says be the change we wish to see in the world he was living breathing talking that yeah and again another example of one person who started something one person who was willing to to be the first one to do something and also who completely stuck to the truth and that's very difficult it's very easy just to go along with the agreement but if you look at what rights are well the opposite of rights are wrongs and so it's being willing to stand up against wrongs gandhi ji said the biggest ill that ails our country is the caste system and mm. he i mean he cleaned the shit he carried not just his own shit the shit that people around him produced because that is one of the, that is like almost the basis of all these divisions so how many people can do that i mean that is the ultimate embodiment of responsibility that you get to the core of the problem and then you as he said you be that change if this is what you believe then do it again that uh, i feel that's also one of the reasons why people run away from responsibility because they don't want to do unpleasant things which is why i'm also saying that if you look at the responsibility in a more proactive way because ultimately i feel it helps if more people behave responsibly so it's not that you have to do the most difficult thing that maybe you're not prepared to do but don't use that as an excuse to not do other things at least do things which you can do <laughs> right great advice to improve what you can improve and and start yeah. don't hold back and take steps like you said you don't, know even yeah. even one step do something about it yeah so mm. don't say sure. don't use it as an excuse i am not mahatma gandhi so then don't i am not going to do anything that's not an excuse right exactly so ruchi do you have any stories of your own about the importance of responsibility so what i would like to say is that when i was in like i didn't grow up in india i grew up in many countries and we never really grew up watching movies or especially not watching hindi movies but when i did come to bombay and i kind of saw this film culture and i realized that it's it's a very good medium to be able to talk about things in a relatable way because ultimately you're telling stories and who doesn't want to listen to a story so i thought it's a great way if you can tell a story in an entertaining enough way to 
maybe also impart some messages which as a person as a human being i felt were important and i feel now that i've been doing it for so long it's really as an artist i think we should all think about this deeply what often happens in the business of movie making it all becomes about how much money a film is making but personally i have always done slightly different films because that's not what drives me what drives me is to be able to tell stories which reflect some kind of empathy and understanding of how people are and how different we all are and how what people are up against which which i feel helps create empathy and you know at the risk of sounding lofty also impart some kind of message which helps people you know get on with their daily lives so i feel it's kind of important as artists to consider that when we do whatever it is that we're doing and maybe actively be part of thing which which give of good messages and not condone things which are very regressive or detrimental or harmful or spreading hate so personally in my life and in my work i've always tried to do that whether we were talking about naxals or whether we're talking about in kal it was about a girl taking understanding the machinations of more insidious plot and nexus or whether it's it's a story of little hanuman and how he becomes brave like i created a fictional story because i wanted people to know that bravery and stupidity are kind of two sides of the same coin yeah. and when you succeed people call you brave and when you fail they say you're stupid um, <laughs> so actually i've heard these words all my life so i'm quite comfortable with them it's okay uh, to fail it depends what you were trying to achieve in the first place <laughs> so i do feel when you're trying to do something which is a little outside the norm it's always going to be harder like someone asked me how come your films and stories have always hazaron took 6 years to write hanuman took 5 years to make um guilty took 7 years before it was made how come everything takes so long i said because nobody's doing those things so it's always harder and they're like why don't you just make a normal you know nice film which I do a remake of this i'm like but that's not what drives me and i think it's great that other people are driven by other things but i mean i think it's important i do have a sense of responsibility that if people are seeing something that i've made they should take be able to take something positive away from it and they should be able to think about it and hopefully think about it in the context of their lives and hopefully it creates something better than what is well we really can see why you chose this right because you're driven by this right yeah uh, and, i i am actually <laughs> Yes Which, and, and you know, is something you never really say because often uh, like I said in the beginning responsibility seems like a bad word but it's not it is the most fun word i mean sometimes it involves a little bit of strife and a little bit of hardship but the payoff is 
totally worth it. The mm-hmm. payoff is the, the only it's the only thing that's worth anything because what you're doing is you're making a positive change, and that's that. It, of course, it's not why you're doing it, but it gives you pride. It gives you pleasure. It makes you feel confident. It makes you feel that you've that life has been worth living. It makes you feel good about yourself. And right. I really liked what you said about the fact, uh, Ruchi, that it's not a lofty word. It's not a bad word. It's a fun word. That's why when I won a title in um, Miss Universe India under Shushmita Sen, I decided to take up this cause. And, you know, since the last 10 years through my plays or my films, I've been working with very interesting national award-winning directors in different films, uh, TV shows or activities, I would always find a way to give the message of human rights to create a positive change or kind of, like you said, about empathy, even to generate that or the awareness. That's my way of taking responsibility as an artist for other people's rights and making them aware of the rights that exist, you know, because I feel, uh, like you said, it's fun. (laughs) Yeah. And Mm. I think it's like one of the things which I really always try to do is make these things which sometimes have the uh, veneer of being too serious or lofty, bring the fun back into it. Because Mm. it's a great way to propagate the status quo by attaching boredom and a sense of loft to these things. So people run away from it because they don't want to be perceived like that. Like what? What what would be an example of that? You know, like, for example, till recently, feminist was a bad word. Or activist, if if, supposing you tell someone something that, listen, like I remember when we were in college, when we were came to India and we used to be like, you can't litter on the road. You can't just throw things out of the window. And they would be like, oh, my God, you know, (laughs) these girls are such activists or what. You're like, but not activists. It's just normal <laughs> human decency. <laughs> Don't right. throw the wrapper out of the car because it's littering the road. It doesn't make you an activist. So even something small and basic like littering, if you tell someone not to do it, you were labeled an activist. And <laughs> the, the label was designed to make you stop doing it. Right. And you're saying add something fun fun yeah. to it. So like by exactly. making a movie about that, yeah. then it, ch- yeah. it changes it because then it allows people to come in in enjoyment or in aesthetics, in art. Yeah. Mm. And I'd like to say here, just on that note, let's stop being so serious and move <laughs> to the rapid fire round. So we're going to have a rapid fire round with you, Ruchi. Are you ready? Yep. Awesome. So what image first comes to your mind when you think of the right to responsibility? I honestly get an image of just a figure standing, holding their head up high. Great. Beautiful. Lovely. Who's your human right hero and why? I mean, I I have to say Gandhiji. I don't know if I need to explain that because I think... No, absolutely. Yes, we've discussed (laughs) that and couldn't agree more. What animal best represents responsibility for you? I don't know. I feel animals have a great instinct about balance. Like when you're saying it, I, I get an image of, you know, sometimes you hear of beached whales. So, you know, when... When the number of whales that ocean can support goes out of sync, whales themselves just get beached on the shore. 
So wow, it's like wow. committing suicide. But I they are attaining an ecological balance. Oh my and, God, that's incredible. And it's, I mean, I'm saying it about whales, but nature has a way of doing this anyways. All animals have this kind of way of sustaining things. So it is a sense of weird responsibility, I guess, which we Mm. clearly don't have. (laughs) <laughs> but I love your I love your answer, the beach whale and the story. We yeah, never knew yeah. that. And it couldn't be more perfect. Okay, next one. What film best represents the right to responsibility? Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I feel maybe I'm saying this because we've been talking about Gandhiji. So, you know, I'm gonna say that more because it's a story which brings about his life and what it stood for. So I'm gonna say Gandhi. It's about. Did have you collaborated at all with Raju Harani on his Gandhi project? Oh no 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 I haven't. But I mean I I really like that film that like yeah yeah. I, yeah I really like that yeah that's a good one as well. Who is the most responsible person you know and why? It's a very easy answer for me. The answer is my sister Ashima Narayan. She is uh, a photographer. You know, she's the only photographer in this region who's represented by National Geographic creator. So she does very different work. And all her work, she literally seeks out the stories that need to be told. And they're always very difficult to cover. And she always has traveled for days and nights and, you know, into the back of beyond and live frugally like in places with no electricity or running water or anything but she doesn't think twice about it because she knows her aim of why she's going and she's the mother of three children who (laughs) she also brings up she's the my go-to person, like whatever she teaches her children, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do the same. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's great. Yeah, and she lives in a very responsible way. Like all the things that I know about responsible living, whether it's uh, not to wear sequins or to have a bucket bath or whatever, is all through her. And so I really feel she thinks very deeply about everything that she does and she makes it practical, not just for her, but for everybody. And I really admire her for that. And it's not to she is also one of the most fun people you'll ever meet. So that's how I know that all this can definitely be taken with a huge dollop of fun. Great. Mm. It's interesting because the the person that you love the most is the most responsible person. And so the more responsible you are, the more you get loved, you know? Yeah. So next one. Mm. What's your favorite responsibility in your life and why? Well, it's my daughter, Vera. I mean, of course, she's my responsibility, but it's it's so much fun. And it's it's just so joyous. Whatever time we spend, whatever we do, or even if it's just watching her do something, it's it's just blissful. There's nothing better. So yeah, and and I'm supposed to be responsible for her, but sometimes I feel she is the one who is responsible for 
who I am. Great. <laughs> so That's lovely. Last question from me. Do you have a message of hope for our listeners in these difficult days? Yeah, I, I really think these are difficult days. But what everybody has seen very starkly is I think it's also bringing out the best in a lot of people. And I, I do love the way people have been banding together to help others. And I think that's a great takeaway from this time. And I do think it will change the way people live also henceforth. And of course, that's my hope. Beautiful. Love it. Now, Fraser has my favorite question of the day. Fraser? What would the future be like if this right was 100% followed? Imagine there's no countries. <laughs> it's easy if you try. <laughs> no hell below us. No above hell. us. Only sky. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it's impossible. There are, yeah, there are communities which do this, uh, you know. Um, in fact, there's a, an Amazonian community I was told that, you know, brings up its children without ever telling them what to do. And because uh -huh. they just see the, the everything that's happening, they just grow up knowing and they just pitch in. So they automatically start becoming active members of the society and nobody ever gives any instructions. So I do think all these things are possible. We've gone very far away from it, but it's in our human instinct. We all have the same instinct. So maybe mm. if we start living by those natural instincts, instead of trying to be extra smart and strategic all the time and live more with our hearts, things will just become better. Exactly. And all of us together, every breath, you know, every step are like either building that vision or destroying it. But when you describe it like that, it really makes all the effort and difficulty really seem worthwhile. And watching your films really makes me believe your words even more, Ruchi. You have taken a huge level of responsibility with your choices and successes. So speaking with you here hasn't seemed like a responsibility, but a joy and fun. And, and the only thing that saddens me is that now it's my responsibility to say that we've reached the end of this podcast. We all have to exercise that right. <laughs> right. So thank you so much, Ruchi. Thank you, Sheena. I'd like to end by letting you know United for Human Rights provides free online human rights courses as well as delivers free curriculums to any school or university in the world. Please go to humanrights.com and start your course and tell any school or university you know to order their free curriculum. It's been so inspiring to hear Ruchi's stories, but now we want to hear yours. Please record a maximum 90 second video with stories of your points of view, struggles and successes to do with the right to responsibility and we'll upload them on our YouTube channel. And send us your right to responsibility artworks, drawings, poems, paintings, etc. We're running a contest to show our favorite chosen stories and artworks on the screen at the United Nations in New York next year. Email your videos and artworks to Fraser at the rate humanrights.com. That's F R A S E R at the rate humanrights.com. 
Lastly, if you want to help spread awareness of basic rights and equality, get in touch. We need all the help we can get. Thank you again, Ruchi Narayan, for your inspiring words. Ruchi, you want to say something before we end, just in case? No, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. And I really do appreciate this initiative that United for Human Rights is doing. And it's it's very important to impart this knowledge to everybody because we do want to make a better world. Exactly, Love exactly. It. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So, Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for your so time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Human rights define the word equality. If we don't respect and love each other, we're just living a lie because United starts with you and I. You feel me? free to prance and what i'm saying gotta keep it together no matter how bad the weather it will be all right keep it tight because we all got our freedom rights every day from the night to the broad daylight don't discriminate learn to appreciate so you don't have to imitate don't be the one to hate it's never too late you got the right to life, innocent to prove it guilty, you can say what you like, gotta get the education, don't throw it away, know your human rights, cause it can help you someday. इस हब हॉपर ओरिजिनल को सुनने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया अगर आप भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करना चाहते हैं तो हब हॉपर स्टूडियो वेबसाइट पे रजिस्टर करें और एक मिनट के अंदर अंदर अपना खुद का पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करें यही नहीं स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करने की सिर्फ तीन आसान स्टेप्स में तो साथ में अपना पॉडकास्ट शुरू करने के लिए तैयार जस्ट हॉप ऑन हब हॉपर सिंपली कॉन्टेंट